Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome in to the Triple Play Fantasy Show. I'm David. There's Art. There's Eric. How are you guys doing, fellas? Very good, my friend. Uh, putting in a backyard playset for my kids. I spent all weekend digging. Now my back is pretty sore, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's a good sore, you know. Home projects when you got to stay at home. And the good thing is you have all the time in the world right now. Yeah, you yeah. can't use that as an excuse. <laughs> No more excuses on on home projects. How are you doing, Eric? I I'm haven't doing, seen you in a while. I know it's 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 been a few hours having separation anxiety. Yeah. Um, well, we thought we'd throw out a bonus episode for you guys this week. We had a special guest come on, um, Matt Caps. Matt spent 15 years in professional baseball pitching for six organizations and was a 2010 MLB All Star for the Washington Nationals. Uh, we sat down with him. And we talked about, uh, well, I should say he was really nice enough to kind of go into depth about his career as a pitcher, kind of from the beginning to the end, how he kind of matured as a pitcher, what he and kind of when he went through with his pitching arsenal. He also talked about his only MLB hit, talked about a little bit about the Pirates organization as he's going to be a color commentator for them if we have a baseball season. And then, of course, you know, we had to throw in some random funny questions to ask him. Stay tuned for the end where Matt tells us if he thinks he could be able to pitch today and what he would be topping out at. Um, guys, anything you want to say before we get out? Uh, no. Weekly shout out to Jeff McNeil. Uh, hopefully you follow uh, Matt's footsteps and join the show. Uh, but the interview with Matt is awesome. And he is he was such a cool guest to have on. Yeah, thank you, Matt. That was a great, great conversation. Caps is a cool cat. All the years in Minnesota are forgiven. <laughs> um, so, guys, before we head out, please follow us on Twitter at Trip Play Fantasy. Uh, our Twitter is very active. Eric runs does a great job running the Twitter. Uh, so please uh, stay engaged with us, follow us, and please leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, that's how we're going to keep growing and how we're going to keep trying to produce as great as much great content as we possibly can so please just go leave a review leave us five stars we would really appreciate it and uh now just tune in for our interview with matt caps we welcome in matt caps Matt spent 15 years in professional baseball pitching for six different organizations and was a 2010 MLB All-Star as a member of the Washington Nationals. Now you can find Matt. He 
doing some real he's a real estate investor and he's going to be the color commentator for the Pittsburgh Pirates whenever baseball does start up again and fun fact about Matt is he played football basketball cross country and baseball in high school when most of us can't even play one sport so Matt I'll ask you man how did you play all four sports in high school um well, my parents had a rule with my brother and I in high school. We weren't playing a sport. We had to get a job. So <laughs> I, I had the same rule. Yeah. So I figured out a way around it. Um, I made sure every season I had something covered. And uh, really, I enjoyed everything. I mean, I was just as passionate about – well, I shouldn't say just as passionate, but I really enjoyed football. And I, I was passionate about football. But baseball was always number one to me. Uh, basketball was my dad's sport. He really liked basketball, was good at it, taught me a lot about it. Um, I kind of always viewed myself on a basketball court as just a big body. Could get down low and kind of create space and could get some rebounds. I could, could you shoot? shoot? All. Um, <laughs> you know, got to the, I was athletic enough where I could, I could dunk my junior and senior year of high school, but uh, it had to be a wide open fast break and, I wasn't fast enough to create my own fast breaks, so I didn't get a whole lot of opportunities to do it. But uh, enjoyed basketball. And then cross country, you know, I just kind of was looking for something to do. And I, I, I really I enjoyed it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, the practices were, you know, really I, I enjoyed the practices. I like the practices a lot more than I like the races and, the practices, I had a couple other guys on the baseball team that ran. And we, honestly, we ran the practices with the girls team uh, and finished last in most of them. So, uh, there, were, there were a couple of days a week where we would do our practice at what's called Clinton Farms out in Douglasville, Georgia, where I grew up. And Clinton Farms mm-hmm. is like a big horse trail Um you know, there was miles and miles and miles of horse trails, and um, they ran a couple of meets there. But we practiced there a couple of days a week, and there were a couple of ponds on the property. And there were those days in, uh, you know, July, August, that we would have those practices, and it was hotter than blue blazes down here. And we would go, we would show up, and we'd be told, you know, today's not a um, – I remember what they said, but it was a timed run. So you'd be running for 90 minutes or 60 minutes or 75 minutes, whatever it was. So me and Bradley Sayers would, um, we would start out and we would go on our jog and we would run about 10 minutes and we would get to the first pond and we would take our shirt off and we would jump our shoes off and we would jump in the pond and we would swim for an hour. And then we would get out, you know, and we're soaking wet. So we put our shirt back on, we put our shoes on and, we'd run for another 10 minutes and we'd go back to where everybody was meeting. And it looked like we had been running for an hour and we were sweating just all out, but we'd been in the lake. <laughs> so that was smart. You know, yeah. That's awesome. So Matt, so you, you pitched for, you were in six different organizations in your career, three major ones with the, the pirates, the Nats and the twins. I did my extensive research on you. And by that, I mean, I looked at Wikipedia mm-hmm. And I saw that you threw a four-seamer, a two-seamer, a slider, a change-up, and a splitter. Is that accurate? Yeah, I didn't start throwing a split until my last year in Minnesota. 
uh, Eddie Guardado actually showed me the split that he threw and it was, it wasn't a real split. Um, but my, you know, I, I struggled with a changeup my whole career. So, uh, it was a good pitch for me to try and learn. And, you know, unfortunately I, I learned it and hurt not long thereafter and never really got to throw it a whole lot. But, uh, my slider, really, really my whole career, all I had that was any good was my fastball. Um, you know, I tell kids, I, I do some volunteer work with high school kids here, and I, I you know, I coach my son's eight-year-old team, so they're not pitching yet. But I tell the older kids, I mean, I went weeks in the big leagues without throwing anything but a fastball. And I think if you can locate a fastball, you can get away with that. So I throw my I throw my two seamer I throw my four seamer and just try to spot up and um, you know my slider was something different to show them maybe to get them off the fastball or or something to have in the back of their mind like okay it could become a slider right now but the guy's thrown seventy five fastballs in a row so you know there's always that little bit of doubt which helps the pitcher um, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. split when when Eddie showed me the split. It, I thought it was going to be a really good pitch for me. And it was the first half of 2012 before I got hurt. Um, David, you're the twin fan, right? You know, the first yes. half of 2012, I was having a really good year. And then, and then I got hurt. 2011 wasn't a whole lot of fun numbers wise, but. Um, we, to be fair, we didn't give you a long leash because I felt like you came in and did it. And were fine when Joe Nathan got hurt. And then you had a couple rough outings and they immediately put Joe Nathan back as the closer. I feel like they didn't really give you a, a long. Well, I there. came in, uh, I was traded for in 2010 and I, that was the year I started with Washington and was having a really good year and having a lot of fun in Washington. I mean, we had a good group of guys and then I got traded over and it was my first opportunity in my career to pitch in the playoffs. So I was super stoked about coming to Minnesota and getting an opportunity to pitch in the playoffs and, we had a great group of guys there um, as well. I mean, great clubhouse, a lot of fun. You know, people had each other's backs. It was a great environment. Uh, and obviously winning, you know, helps. So, um, you know, Nathan wasn't available at all. 2012 I actually came in and took over for John Roush. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And Roush became the setup guy. And, you know, we had a pretty good bullpen. Greer was there. Uh, Jesse Crane was there. So we, was Pat Nishak, was Pat Nishak still there? No, or was he Nishak was there, point? but he wasn't, um, he was up and down between us and AAA in August. And I think he was there all of September. I okay. do not believe he was, I could be wrong. I want to say that he wasn't on the playoff roster, but I don't think he was. Um, and then it was like, what, two or three years later when he really took off and became, you know, a really, really good pitcher. Um, so anyway, so we get through the playoffs and, you know, that didn't work out the way any of us hoped, but, um, spring training, Nathan's coming back healthy. And I mean, it's, they did the right thing, giving him the opportunity. I mean, geez, he's Joe Nathan. He's, you know, in, in my opinion, he's a first ballot hall of famer. What two years yeah. from now? Uh, so they gave him the, he was back in the closers role and, you know, it was almost unfair to him when you look at, the historical recoveries of Tommy John. I mean, he was what just under 12 months removed from surgery and he's back 
trying to save big league games. I mean, that physically is just really, really hard to do. But he did held his own for the first month, and then, um, you know, he stumbled a little bit, and then I started closing, and then, um, yeah, I had a little rough, rough stretch there. I don't remember, July, June, July, something like that, and then he took back over for the rest of the year. But uh, And then, heck, he left. He went to, what, Texas after that, and I came back in 12, and I was having a, I was having a nice run in 12, um, and then got – you know, I hurt my shoulder and just, it is what it is. Hey, well, we, I mean, you know, we live in Washington. Um, so, you know, we all, you know, Art's a Cubs fan, but he still obviously lives in this area as well. And we all, you know, watched you pitch for the Nationals, you know, when you were an all-star that year. And I mean, you had, I mean, you had good velocity. You were throwing 95 and you could really locate yeah. too. Well, that's, um, so I, I think, you know, injuries don't get, a, you know, a hold of your career. I think you definitely could have been doing yeah, this a I, lot longer. I appreciate that. And I, and I did, you know, I, I ended up coming back and played another two, another three years. Um, I had my shoulder fixed in, in June of 2013 and I missed all of 14. I had a couple of setbacks, but I was with the Indians and had a, I mean, I can't say enough great things about Chris Antonetti and the Indians organization. They they treated me unbelievably good, unfairly good. Um, so very grateful and appreciative of them. But I just never could get on the field for them. Um, and, and the shoulder surgery I had, I tore the bicep interval. So it's not a common thrower's injury. Uh, and then when they when they had to close it down, it it essentially took away most of the external rotation, which is a direct correlation with velocity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that velocity never came back. I finished, uh, I signed with the Braves in 15 and got back up to 90, 91. Um, you know, was pitching and, you know, they kept me in, in Florida and then ended up releasing me, what, a month after spring training. Just, um, you know, couldn't get the VO back up. So I thought I was done at that point and then came home and still had the itch. I went to Puerto Rico and played and, um, I played with Alex Cora as the manager in Cagus. And, um, you know, VLO was decent. I got back up to 92, 93. I was pitching more 89, 90, but I, I got back up there to where I was, I was bumping 92, 93. And then, uh, that gave me an opportunity with Arizona. So I went to, went to Arizona with Diamondbacks and wouldn't you know it, uh, felt great. Shoulder was awesome. I slipped on the mound and, and strained an oblique. So I missed all of April with the Diamondbacks and then they ended up sending me to Reno. Um, I believe I threw in one simulated game uh, after straining an, obli- an oblique and then they sent me to Reno one or two Um but somebody got hurt in Reno and they needed a body. So I felt good enough to go and I went and um, I finished the year on the field. You know, I was healthy. I had probably as much fun on the field with that triple A team in Reno as I did anywhere else. Um, you know, I was just playing the game I loved and, you know, had a lot of fun doing it. Wasn't where I wanted to be, but uh, made the best of it. The guys were great and, you know, had a blast. And then, Matt, Matt, well, we, I, um, I, uh, I, 
I think that's great that you got to end up on the field. That's where you want to go out. You talked about growing up in uh, Douglasville. You must have been the best hitter on your high school team. And then you get to the, get to play in the major leagues and you get five at-bats. But you got one hit. And I'm just wondering, was that the best ball you struck when you were playing? Or was it uh, – I want you to tell me about that hit. Well, have you seen the video of it? I have not. I I I, I didn't. I couldn't find right. it. Well, I tell you what. Since you haven't seen the video of it, I absolutely crushed it down the down the first base line, and I beat the pitcher to first base because it was kind of in between the first baseman and the pitcher. And um, <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I you know what? <laughs> it's crazy because I, I was a really good hitter, and I signed to go to college as a hitter. Mm-hmm. I signed to go to LSU as a hitter and a catcher, and I just. I threw yeah. hard. I tell everybody, like, I threw hard before everybody threw hard. So, you know, now right. 94, 95 in high school doesn't mean as much as it did 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 94, 95. I never, I played high school and I didn't see anything close to mm-hmm. that in, in, in 1999 at high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah. that's right. And it's like, um, you know, down here, me and Kyle Davies and maybe one other guy. There was a guy named Fredell Pinkston that threw that hard. And his high school coach pitched him every game. And he ended up blowing out his his senior year and just never – I don't even goodness. think he played in college. But uh, anyway, uh, it's a shame there. But, um, you know, now it's like I, I told you I volunteered for a 17, 18-year-old travel team here that – is not playing right now like everybody else is not playing. But every right. year we have three or four guys that are 95. And I look over at James Beavers is the head coach, and he was there when I was there. And I look over at him every day. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you're running out another guy that's 92? Like, run of the mill is 92 now. And when I, when I was there, if you broke 90, it was a big deal. Are they just throwing their hardest every time, or are they smoothly maintaining ninety-two to ninety-five? Um, it's a it's a good mix of both, you know. I, I think okay. uh, I think what we're seeing such the uptick in velocity is we know how to train now. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a technique to training and training your body specifically for pitching and being a baseball player, and, and guys are doing it and doing it really, really well. You know, when, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, it was how much can you squat? How much can you press? You know, we had kind of figured out. That's yeah, that's all how I much can you out. squat. It's, um, that was really <laughs> it. I mean, you know, the power comes from your legs and the ground and, you know, mm-hmm. your hip separation and how much flexibility can you have and what kind of whip can you create? And Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, Think of Roger Clemens' thighs and how he pushed off. Yep. Yeah, and the power he generated from right. there. So uh, I got into I got into so, the big uh, leagues, and you know, it, it's not that you forget how to hit. You just go. I didn't have a single at bat in the minor leagues, so I went, you know, almost five years huh. between C and life pitching. Yeah. And then, you know, the last guy I saw throwing a baseball at me was a was a kid on a high school mound, and now I'm facing the major league pitcher and a major league reliever at that that's going to throw hard. So I got to hit. My first at bat, I, my first at bat, I flew out the right field, and then I got a hit off Todd Coffee, and then I, 
Yeah. Ah, and, that's uh, awesome. Three strikeouts in a row. Jonathan Broxton, Kerry Wood, and Ryan Madsen. You 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 faced Kerry Wood. I did. <laughs> did he throw you a curveball? I didn't see the curveball. He was a reliever at this point with Cleveland, and uh, we yeah. were we were in extra oh. innings in Pittsburgh, and uh, he tried to throw me all fastballs, and I fouled one off and fouled another one off, and. Uh, then he threw a slider that I thought was going to be right down the middle of the plate, and it bounced in a left-handed batter's box. And I said, "Okay, it's Kerry <laughs> <laughs> Wood. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's great." So Matt, so I want to shift back to pitching for a second. Um, so I heard you talk about before that you said closing was like the ultimate high, right? That you come out there and every single time you just got this adrenaline rush. Um, so would you get a bigger rush striking out a guy talking so much smack to you and then just being able to sit him down? Or did you get a bigger high getting out of a big jam? Getting out of the jam was the best. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, you know, as a reliever, if you came in and, and the middle of somebody else's mess and you were able to clean it up, there is no better feeling in the world. I shouldn't say that. There's, oh, there's no better you. feeling in sports. But, I mean, that was the best. <laughs> Came in, it was somebody else's teammates, and you you were able to pick them up and pick the whole team up by, you know, that's yeah, the best. Yeah. Did you guys, like, buy each other, like, Yo, buddy, you get out of this jam for me, and I'll buy you a steak. Yeah, I mean, there was stuff like that. It, it was in the moment; it was never there. It was never like, all right, you're coming into the game, my guys in yeah. a second. Like, hey, buy you a beer, buy you a steak, whatever. No, but you know, you you don't forget stuff like that when people do it for you either. Yeah, like John Grabo was the best in the world at it. It seemed like um, it seemed like he led the year every year and inherited runners stranded, but. Um, you know, you'd be at the the hotel bar, or you'd be at a restaurant, or something. It's like, no, no, I I got your beers tonight, or you know, I I got his, that's cool. I got his meal, you know, like so because it, it matters, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely the sign of a good teammate, uh, Matt. This is this is a little bit of a more random question, but uh, obviously you're in a lot of video games. Did you ever play as yourself? No, I didn't. And I kind of regret that. You know, I was never a big video game guy growing up, and I was never the guy on the road that carried the console or anything. But my son's kind of that age now, eight, where, like, we play uh, we play golf a lot on the Xbox. We played baseball a little bit, but uh, not a whole lot. But I think it'd be cool to to play, you know, as myself against him. I think that would be pretty fun. But no. Buy buy him like a GameCube or something, and then play like MVP Baseball two thousand five. Yeah, you read my yeah, mind, David. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do that with him <laughs> next week. Um. So, uh, Matt, so you're gonna be the color commentator if we have baseball for the yep. Pittsburgh Pirates. Um. So, obviously, they're being talked about as potentially being the worst team in baseball this year. Um, they're just going undergoing a lot of change on their team. Tell me on why you feel like they're going to be competitive this season. 
um, you know, I know they have some nice pieces there, um, but do you think that they're going to be able to surprise well, some people I, I, this season? Yes, I do. Um, you know, I'm the, the consummate optimist. I think I, I always try to find the, the upside or the bright side in anything I'm in, but they have some really good pieces. You know, you got, uh, you got guys like Bell and Reynolds in the lineup. Um, <clears throat> Trevor Williams kind of leading the staff. And then I, I was looking for big things out of Chris Archer this year. You know, I, I think for me, the, mm-hmm. the big question mark was the bullpen. And then everybody I talked to that, that knows the team a lot better than I do was high on the bullpen and the bullpen arms. Uh, so it made me even more optimistic, but you know, there's, there's the old saying that they play him for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you got to get out and you play him. Anything can happen. Um, you know, you, maybe you have a roster full of young guys, but at one point in time, Derek Jeter was a young guy that nobody knew what he was going to do. And Alex Rodriguez was a young guy that nobody knew what he was going to do. And David Ortiz had a a young guy start to a career in Minneapolis. And then look what he did with the Red Sox, you know. So um, just because you got a, a lot of young guys, I mean, they could be the right young guys and something magical could happen. Well, I did hear they were talking about how one of the things I hear most about the Pirates is that they replaced Ray Searage as a uh, pitching coach. And he had had a lot of reclamation projects with Francisco Liriano, A.J. Burnett, and kind of transformed their careers to be able to be serviceable pitchers at that point in their careers. But they were saying that he didn't kind of adjust his pitching to the new age of pitching high in the zone to getting hitters to chase. And that was kind of costing his guys, um, guys like Tyler Glass now, who weren't kind of using his pitching to the utmost potential. Do you had you heard a lot about that, or is that something that like had been, you know, they'd been kind of uh, talking about a little bit about it? I mean, Ray Searage kind of has a cult following. Um, one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life. His reclamation project started in 2005. It actually started in 2004 with a big burly right-hander that was sent down from Hickory, North Carolina to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And uh, the next year went from <laughs> low age to the big leagues. So yeah, I had firsthand experience with, with Ray Searage taking guys and um, <clears throat> you mm-hmm. know, having huge impacts on their career. Cause he, he did on mine and he's a guy that I stayed in touch with actually just text back and forth with him yesterday. Um, as good of a human as he is. Cooked. So what what I'm kind of hearing you say though is maybe he's a little stuck in, in old school. Uh, That's what I feel like I've heard a lot of people in the industry just kind of talking about and the saying that there have been pitchers like Tyler Glass now who kind of came out and bowed bad mouthed him without saying yeah. his name. That's yeah, why I was I mean, it, curious. Maybe so. Hey, I, I don't know. I, I I never had him as a coach in the big league, so I don't know what kind of major league coach he is. Uh, or was other than, um, you know, I, I will say if something ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. throwing the ball down in the zone, getting ground balls, moving on your fastball, locating your fastball. Yeah, you know, that's stuff that people have done for a hundred and something years in the big leagues and it's worked. Does it work? Does it work for everybody? Yeah. No. But if you're, 
you know, if you're working with the masses, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have more successes than failures if that's your plan. Yeah, I think the the thing right. with, with the information and the technology we have now, we have the ability to look at a guy and to look at his stuff and to analyze his stuff and be able to say, okay, this guy is not Matt Caps because he doesn't do this, or he does do this, and Matt Caps doesn't. And mm-hmm. we can really tailor a pitching plan to each individual, and we have the information to to understand and back up why he's going to be successful if he does this. You know, when when I was in the minor leagues and, and most of my major league career, it was like you, you look at – at the hitters and the vast majority of them balls that they do damage on are mid thigh and up. You know, if you're at the top of the knee caps and down, they, they might get a base hit. They might hit a double, but it's a double that they rolled over down the line. You know, it's not a damage, mm-hmm. you know, it's not damaging the gaps mm-hmm. and there's not much risk of it leaving the ballpark. Now there is the exception guys like Mike Trout. You got better luck with Trout down in, or up in the zone than you do down in the zone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but again, when you're looking at a sport like baseball and the law of averages, I'm going to work towards what's going to give me the, the better opportunity to be successful over 162 games or over 80 something appearances. What's going to give me the chance to be more successful over 80 appearances, pitching down in the zone and sinking, mm-hmm. sinking the ball or pitching up in the zone and riding the ball out. For me, it's probably down in the zone and sinking right. the ball. But I didn't have that big uh, lifey four-seamer that, you know, I could run at the belt and get by guys. I had to have the heavy sink that guys would hit it and they felt it. And I've got guys like Freddie Sanchez and Jack Wilson behind me or Ian Desmond behind me or J.J. Hardy behind me. And it's like, yeah. all right, hit it to them all day. I'll take my chances. So, you know, we have the ability to, to tailor things more to guys specifically now than than we did back then. So. You know, it's like like anything in life. You got to be able to adjust and you know go with the flow and and kind of get with the times, if you will. Right, right. Um. So then, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask, kind of on that subject, do you feel like I feel like the game has somewhat shifted from you know even. You want to go back to just the early 2000s. Do you feel that the game has changed in any um, way? Yes and no. You know, the game's still the same game. Um, there, there are certainly some differences. Uh, you know, maybe the way we approach things, just like what I got off of. Uh, the way I prepare, the way players prepare now is a lot different. Um, mm mm-hmm. But it's still the same game. Once you get out in between the lines, it's me versus you. It's that pitcher versus that hitter. You know, yeah. there's, I, 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 there's been phases in the game of baseball, and this is just a power and strikeout phase. Um, you know, in the late '80s, there was less, much less scoring, much better pitching. It, it's going through this phase. I, I have this weird theory that it's the shift that's done it, but uh, I have no proof and I've not done any scientific research. But I think people trying to hit home runs over a shift is what caused for people 
not trying to hit the ball the other way as much. Um, but uh, like it changes, like people are doing different things right now. I think the Pirates have a lot of good pitchers that they might have on their team this year. Joe Musgrove and Mitch Keller, a lot of fantasy guys think are going to have good seasons this year. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about Musgrove or uh, Mitch um, Keller. Not a ton, just because I'm not familiar with them. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. it, I, the Pirates never really left me. You know, it's, it's they drafted mm-hmm. me, the team that brought me to the big leagues. I spent the most amount of time there. Uh, so they've got a, a soft spot in my heart. Um, <clears throat> when I retired, you know, I, I live in Atlanta, so baseball is on, on the TV. It's usually the Braves. Started doing some pregame, postgame mm-hmm. stuff for the Pirates two years ago. So I, you know, I've had the package and and I would watch the Pirates a lot. Um, but I'm just not that mm-hmm. familiar with them. I saw Keller pitch, I think, twice last year. Uh, I saw his debut, but you know, I, I just I don't know him well enough. I've never met him. Never shook his hand. Never shook his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, never talked mm-hmm. to either one of them. So that's. I mean, I was supposed to go down to spring training uh, the day before they canceled it and said spring training's over. So I was supposed to spend a a week and a half down there, and uh, that's kind of what it was about was to get to know those guys. So I I can't really comment on uh, Musgrove or Keller. I know there's a lot of excitement about Keller. Um, There's a lot of excitement about Musgrove as well. I mean, good stuff. And – no, I just – I don't know him well enough to really have an opinion, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Matt, you're, well, you're so optimistic about the Pirates and their pitchers. I have to admit, when we thought there was going to be an entire season, Vegas had their over-under win line at 69 and a half, and I felt so confident on the under. Um, obviously, we'll never find that out, but uh, – uh, you you make a you make a good point for you know how they can be better than you know people like myself thought. Well, you got to look at at the change too. Change can be a good thing. You know, you got a new GM, you got a new manager, you got uh, what I think there's maybe two coaches that are holdover coaches from from the last couple of years. Um, you know, so there's always excitement with that. I mean, guys could play up and. You know, what's the old saying? You got uh, break the season into a third. You're going to you're gonna win a third of your games. You're going to lose a third of your games. It's what you do in that last third that makes a difference in the season. Uh, I like you that. Know, so if you kind of look at it, it it's, it's pretty true. You know, there's not a whole lot of teams that have won more than what's two-thirds of 162, 110-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 108. 108. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of teams that, you know, win a hundred percent of that last third. There's not a whole lot of teams that, uh, what's one third of it? 54. 18. You know, yeah, 54, there's not yeah, a whole 54. lot of teams that only win 54, you know, so there's kind of, it's kind of yeah. that middle ground yeah. that, that makes up a major league season. So, well, we'll ask you, Matt. We, we appreciate you being on. Okay. We'll ask you our last two questions here, real quick. Uh, Eric, do you want to ask him your 
uh, your question that you were interested uh, to ask. Matt, what is your favorite breakfast cereal? So I do the intermittent fasting. So right now it's just black coffee. Um, if I were to go out and buy a box of cereal right now, it would either be Fruity Pebbles, Fruit Loops, or Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But if I had to choose one, it would be Fruit Loops. Yes. Great answer. That's a, I did not expect it to go in that That's direction. That's a good choice. Fruity Pebbles are awesome. You know, no, what about Captain Crunch? <laughs> you know what the best thing about Fruity Pebbles was? The milk when you were done. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. What about – okay, so – well, you just you like fruity cereal, yeah, I guess, more than cereal. like chocolate cereal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, Matt, my last question for you: You go in that bullpen <laughs> right now. What are you topping out at? Oh, left-handed or right-handed? <laughs> oh. Left-handed might be harder right now. Um. Oh. That's a great question. I'm going to say 80. If I started playing catch now and then had to be ready to pitch in July, I I think I could probably get, get it back up there mid to upper 80s. But if I just got on the mound right now and I touched 80, it would be unbelievable. Hey, well, Matt, you're yeah. the man. We really appreciate Absolutely. you Sorry coming on and being with Tec- us today. You know, technology didn't work for me or I'm not good with it, but uh, glad we made it happen. Yeah, Matt, if you're ever in the Baltimore, D.C. DC area, we owe you a beer. I'm in. Hey, what happened to that? Uh, Is it O'Brickies in Baltimore? O'Brickies? Yeah, it was like a stone crab place. I'm not sure. Was it like in the the heart of the city? We were laying there in bed in D.C. one night watching uh, the Food Network, and I thought it was O'Brickies. Came on, and we had an off day the next day. And it's like, we got to go. We drove up the next day and had dinner. And it was awesome. They just, they put like uh, butcher paper down on the table and they just brought all these crabs and dumped them out. And Oh yeah, it's, it's in Phelps. Yeah, is it's it in still Fels there? Point. I know what you're talking about. All right, well, we'll go there. I'll buy the yeah, crabs. It's still buy there. The beers. We'll have a good night. Sounds good. That's great. Matt, we are all about that. Um, again, we, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on. Matt Caps fifty five on Twitter. If you want to follow him, um, Matt's actually pretty active in the Twitter. That's why I saw. That's why I was happy. I was like, maybe he'll respond to uh, coming on. <laughs> so, but um, Matt, Matt, we definitely appreciate thank your you time, so man. much. Um, stay stay safe and and stay quarantined and um, and hopefully the the uh, the kids won't. You get a little bit of time yeah, for yourself. We'll do. It. Appreciate and, uh, you guys. Stay safe. All right.